Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello and welcome to the HP Podcast, the show where the points are made up and the games don't matter. I'm Ben, and with me here today is Brandon Restless Leg Syndrome. Duncan, how are we? Good, how are you doing? Restless. Restless. In the leg region. We were just talking about this slightly before the show, and uh, you and I both like bounce our legs a lot. Yeah, yeah. There'll be times when sometimes the floor's uneven, and like there'll be a noise, like the cupboard down the hallway, like just the right the right way my foot is, is bouncing, like a yeah. little marble or like something. Like the wavelength. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, there's definitely nothing wrong with me. I'm not an anxious person. No. Um, and if you knew me at all, you'd know that is 100% true. Um, <laughs> no. um, yeah, I just, uh, it's great, great calf raise almost. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, I think I'm doing something good. Good, good. Well, if you, uh, you know, on the flip side, we've got you with the legs and uh, Dave Macho Man Dirty Lambs Lambden uh, with his tank top on over here. Dave. For my entire life, I have detested not necessarily other people wearing them. I don't care what other people wear. I hate wearing tank tops. Tell me about why you like them because I've seen you wear them maybe twice, um, twice or three times. Yeah, and like the ones you've seen are the one of the two total that I wear. So I, I didn't, I've never worn these before last year. Uh-huh. Um, but my house is really, really hot in the summer. And I bought one like this one I got from Cabo in Mexico. And uh-huh. uh, I think this is actually the first or second one I had. I don't know. Um, and I just I started wearing them at home because I found myself so warm. And now they're just such comfortable things to wear like as as like pajamas or like nightwear or whatever. I feel really self-conscious wearing this outside of the house because I have an awful tan. I don't know if you can see that. But sure, and sure. if we were doing like an actual video podcast, then I wouldn't be wearing this because. Right. Uh, but it's a comfort thing, man. It, uh, it yeah. really is. So. so how offended would you be if the thumbnail for this episode was a picture of you and your tank top? <laughs> it's incredibly uh, blurry. Right I mean, now. In, in the spirit of comedic effect and theater, I would I would be OK with it. But uh, generally speaking, I don't like actually it's funny because I think the first time I wore this outside since the trip in which I got this was like a couple of weeks ago and it was for a brief walk. But uh-huh. other than that, I just, I don't, I don't mind people seeing me in a tank top, but it's just, it's so comfy at home that right. it's uh it's a thing. So it's a relatively new thing, but if you haven't tried it, I suggest you try it once, see how you feel. And uh, yeah, it feels good. I feel so nice. objectified by Ben. He said, Hey, legs over here and fucking arms over here. <laughs> He's just treating us like meat. Well, it's okay because we're friends, right? That's how that works. If you're friends with somebody, you can talk to them however you want. Whatever you want, babe. Yeah, exactly. Well, Dave, if if we don't happen to get um, a better uh, thumbnail, you know, or more relevant, I suppose we could use a picture of you. But right now, your your camera's all blurry. It, it's a whole thing. Just, depending on how long we talk about it, it might just be relevant. So it might. Be I guess that's show. up to us. I put Vaseline on the camera just to enhance <laughs> the effect. <laughs> <laughs> Right on the camera. That's yeah. you just had some by your desk. Vaseline. Have good aim. Good aim. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Well, Brandon. Um, this, I don't mean to cut Dave out of this conversation. Is this after dark totally, or which podcast is this? This well, is one of the two. This is the HP podcast. Okay. The one we talk about video games primarily. Oh, okay. Okay. Just yeah. making sure. But uh, Dave, you can chime in here anytime you want. You can even like interview if you want. I don't know. But Brandon and I went to a game convention last weekend. I want to just like spend a couple minutes talking about that. And instead of doing it in the what you've been playing section, I figured we'd just talk about it now. So Brandon, we went to too many games. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about it. I mean, I know about it because I was with you. Sure. But go yeah. for it. 
Yeah, no, it, it's a lot different than some other conventions we've been to. This was more of a retro gaming convention. Um, like a retro swap meet. Yeah, exactly. The, you described it perfectly. Um, so there were a lot of goods and a lot of people. Um, I guess I wasn't looking for anything specific, but it was the perfect place to go if you had a vintage game that you always wanted in mind because the selection was fast. One of the bigger ones I've seen. Yeah. Typically, you find like these little treasure troves and a goodwill in the middle of nowhere or a good garage shell. But this was like that little moment that you had when you found a good collection, but like at every corner. Yeah. Yeah. So and it wasn't just games either. There was tons of like old hardware memorabilia, memorabilia, old like posters, um, modern stuff, too. I mean, there was there. Yeah. I, I saw everything up the P, up through PS5. even. Sure. Sure. Yeah. There was even PS5. That wasn't the focus, true. though. Yeah. Yeah. No, it definitely was retro focus, but it was uh, it was pretty cool. You know, you got some of the the things typical cons have, like you had some cosplay and stuff, which was fun. Um, this one had an entire wrestling ring set up, an amateur-sized wrestling ring, yep. um, just for entertainment. Just just there, um, I'm assuming it was pre-planned, but I didn't catch that in any of the notes looking at the convention beforehand. But um, <laughs> it's not like we went there it just for popped up. Yeah, it's not like we went there for that, but it 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 certainly added to the experience. We had. Uh, multiple sessions of Nintendo versus PlayStation at one time Miles Morales or uh, Spider-Man was fighting, you know, Link or Sheik, you know, just people dressed as the characters, but it was cool how they put a video game twist on it. And um, there's nothing quite like amateur wrestling. Yeah. I will say I've never personally experienced it and I would never go out of my way to experience it. But whenever I strolled by the monster booth, grabbed a monster, I couldn't think of anything else better to do than to sit and watch grown people in video game outfits wrestle around (laughs) around a very small, very bouncy square. My favorite match uh, was a match between uh, Waluigi and Wario versus uh, Goku and some guy from a fighting game that I can't remember his name. I think it... I think it might have been one of the Dragon Ball Z villains. I'm not and, sure. Though. Oh, was it? Oh, well, see how much I know. Uh, so when I say it was my favorite match, that's out of like the two and a half we saw. Yeah. But still, it's. Uh, yeah. You know. And there were some personalities there, um, like Scott the Waz was there. Right. Um, stuff like that. So, no, it was just a good time. And they had like a huge arcade section of many, many classic arcade cabinets that were for sale. And a couple um, newer ones, like some Japanese cabinets. Um, like games that I'd never seen before, DDR, stuff like that. So it was just a pretty interesting experience. Um, from my understanding of the people that I've talked to that went there before, it seems to have gotten bigger in the past years. Yeah. Um, so And more expensive. Yeah. The games themselves, that is. Sure, the, sure. The consoles, the market's on a rise. Yeah, I was going to say, I think maybe we're like at a threshold here where nothing from this point on is going to get much cheaper depending on what exactly we're talking about, like SNES era and stuff like that. So right. um, it's certainly going to deteriorate and be scarce exceptionally now, time and time again after this. So you and I both like our physical stuff. Like we like our games physical when possible. Exactly. Yep. I'm not opposed. If somebody gives me, or if 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 a game isn't available digitally, I'm not like, oh, where's the physical version? I want when and also if somebody like if I get a code or somebody gives me access or buys it for me, I'm not going to turn down a digital game. Right. But we're not physical collectors necessarily. No. Uh, I have a bunch of old games, but I don't care to have more necessarily. Yeah. But Dave, you're pretty much all digital at this point for at least modern. Do you care at all about retro collecting? Um. I I've been interested in it more and more as I think the more digital I've gotten, the more I've kind of yearned for like, not necessarily like, I don't wish I had like all the PS five discs and the Xbox discs and that kind of stuff. Like I'm fine with where I'm at, but like there were consoles that I completely missed out on when I was a kid, just cause I, I only had like, like I, I had a Sega Genesis. That was my first console. And then I had from there, I went to uh PlayStation one. Like, so if I was to go out and buy something, which I've actually like looked, and if I came to the show with you guys, I probably would have come home with like, number one, I would look out for an N64 because I never owned one. Oh, um, shit. 
And if for whatever reason, I've, I've had these like TikTok stories that just keep popping up of this company called DKOldies.com. Okay. And it's just like a warehouse that all they do is like old games and consoles and stuff. And um, I keep seeing their GameCubes. And I know GameCubes aren't that old, but I really, really want one again. And I had a GameCube, so that that doesn't really apply to what I just said. But yeah, I think the two things I would kind of like go for first if I was going for like old school stuff is is an N64. It's weird to call that old school. Uh, And then probably... 25 years at this point. Yeah. And the GameCube too, like I just really like that console and I really like the controller too. Um, So yeah, there's, I've got some weird sort of reasons. I wouldn't go out and start being a collector or anything, but yeah, there's a couple that I I would go snag if, if, if the opportunity arose, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get any, I didn't get too crazy. Like I said, I wasn't looking for anything specific, but I did pick up two Xbox games. Um, I never originally owned Portal 2 or the Orange Box. I borrowed Orange Box and I think I actually borrowed them both from Dustin. Yeah. <laughs> so I actually wanted to physically own those. And I thought to myself, there's no better time than now, like yeah. I said earlier, because it was just everywhere. Right. I mean, almost anything you could imagine, even some abstract stuff. Um, I don't know if you guys are too into like the ratings and stuff, but they even had people there that would like advertised for rating games and they had auctions like four thousand dollar games that are in the box like seriously oh no they weren't those were on display some of the stuff they had that were going to be auctioned were you know tens and tens of thousands yeah yeah so i guess what i was trying to say is there's like there was like a large swath of of things there you would have something you know this is the five dollar bin and it's fucking ford racing three for ps2 (laughs) and there's like seven copies and then you would have a collector's version of Earthbound or something next to it, completely sealed. So the the one company that was there is uh, CGC. They do they also do comic books, and I have actually dealt with them in the past with reading comic books. Nice, uh, but it wasn't a good interaction. So that's a whole other thing. Yeah, I like bought something that was rated by them, and then uh, it was not. I mean, I only paid like 80 bucks for it or something, but it was not what it was rated. Oh, Jesus. And I sent it to them and they were like, well, things can vary and yada, yada, yada. And they like, they agreed that they had placed the seal on it. So, so they ended up giving me the money back for it. I mean, they took the the thing, even though I didn't buy it from them. I bought it from somebody else, but once their seals on it. So like, it is good that they fixed it, but I was like, really? Like, this is not (laughs) the rating. This is not, shouldn't have got, and it's the only rated thing I've ever bought. Yeah. I've. I've heard some people have problems with, I guess, just rating things in general, um, people sending them out. So I would always, if I had something super rare, I would legitimately be a little bit scared to send it out Yeah. Um, pers- personally. I've um, got a few things I should send out to get rated that are already worth a decent amount of money and would just go up in price uh, with a rating. But I'm also like, well, what if the mail carrier rips it to shreds well that's what i'm saying like it's literally just a roll of the dice Mm -hmm. to be honest with you um just depending on how many hands you get it through but yeah um the show was really cool overall yeah um it was a lot of fun um i'm with dave i don't necessarily want to just retro collect or anything yeah but i have a lot of stuff that's older and i would like to at some point display it and also have a way to play all my old systems and i have I think the literally the only system I don't have from like the NES forward, other than like maybe the Jaguar and stuff like that, is um, the GameCube. Yeah. I had a GameCube and it burned up into a piece of dust. Really? Uh, oh, no, I don't have it. Yeah, it, it caught on fire. Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah, it didn't actually, but like it, it the insides fried. Uh, because probably because I left the game on or something. I don't know. Hmm. And it actually burned a hole through the back of the system. Good God. So I just threw it out. You know, of course. I don't yeah, well, yeah I guess. Yeah. But it, it was also like after the Xbox had come out. No, it was after the Xbox came out. But I had a PlayStation at the time. So I didn't care about the GameCube anymore. Yeah. Why would I? Dude, you could send it to um, send it to the Nintendo store in New York. They have that uh, that like uh, Game Boy that caught on fire that still works. Do you yeah. remember seeing that? Yeah. It, it was can, a GI. It was a GI. Oh, was it? Yeah. What was it? I was going to say, it can go behind the collection, Ben. You're, uh, I almost bought a, uh, a Game, Game Boy this weekend, but they didn't have any that actually had like uh, a box or power cords. I'm willing to... It's so dumb because you just throw boxes in a pile, but I'm so... I'm, I'm willing to pay more money for a box that's in good condition, uh, or at least the condition that's worth, but sometimes you just don't need the box. Dude, I mean, it's, it's, you, you guys said it like with 
with this industry is only going to explode in in value over the next like five to ten years just because it just at, with everything being so digital now yeah. and even like the discs that we're getting this generation they're literally just like keys like there's yep. there's no information on that disc other than the key to say that this person is authorized to play this game and then with you know so many games being tied to servers and stuff now like you're literally like the box might carry some value, but like that older stuff, like the consoles that we've just been talking about, if you've got like a nice collection going, then like keep it going. Cause it's, it's going to be worth a lot. Like as you yeah. said, Brandon, it's just going to go up and up and up in value for a long time. The, uh, the highlight of the thing though, was that I, um, I played Brandon in, uh, uh, we, we both did a round of crazy taxi. Absolutely. Uh, and I beat him. Hell yeah. And then we also played a round of uh, Street Fighter. No, Mortal Kombat. What did we play? We Which played ones? a bunch. We played we Primal played Rage. We just, played Mortal Kombat. But I only wanted to talk about the ones I beat. Oh, you okay. Yeah, all right. So, so those it, were the highlights. <laughs> <laughs> it was my first crazy taxi experience, okay? Wait, seriously? Yes. Dude. I almost feel like I need to like find a, find an old console and the copy of crazy taxi and give it to you yeah dude. as a gift but i don't like i don't have that much money to spend on you sorry. we we had to play it on that fucked up dreamcast controller do you guys have like a do you, do you remember your most played arcade game like of all time time actually in an arcade time crisis 2 okay it's probably that or area 51 are probably my yeah most played i miss the arcade scene yeah. for the most part um mine was the inverse to that was renting games excessively yes. in the in the amount that you could have actually just bought the game. Tony Hawk yeah. Pro Skater Two. Yeah, yeah. We always it, it wasn't Destruction Derby because we actually owned that, but there was another some sort of demolition derby uh, racing game that we played on PS One that I think the local grocery store Giant Eagle like every time it came, <laughs> every time we could rent it, we were just there renting that shit over and over. Yeah, yeah. I remember I didn't personally have enough money to buy a new PlayStation game whenever I was renting games. Right. But uh, my mom, you know, occasionally would be willing to, to let me rent something. And oftentimes we would rent like they'd have like rent five movies for five days for five dollars or something like that. Right, right, right. And sometimes you could actually swap it out for swap out. I think they did like swap two of those out for one game. Yeah. So you were it was really super cheap, especially if you're already renting a bunch of movies. So right. I do that sometimes. And uh, at one point, my mom was like, have you ever thought about how much money you spent renting Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2? <laughs> you could have bought it three times. Actually, though. I think she probably said that skateboard game. And I was like, <laughs> no. She's like, why don't you just buy it? And I was like, because it's, you know, it's whatever it was. I don't remember how much it was. 60 or 70 or 80 or something. And I remember she found it for me like at a garage sale for nice. like five bucks or something. Awesome. So now I have it. But that was, uh, that was also 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> A lot different. Yeah. A lot different than it is now. So. Well, I suppose we could talk about the uh, the video games. Well, we've been talking about video games, but the news for a little bit here, if you guys are all uh, okay with that. Today, hot off the presses. This happened earlier today. Nintendo had a mini direct, which is basically a way of saying, we're not actually going to show you anything from Nintendo that you care about, but we are contractually obligated to show you these <laughs> games. And there was some there was some fun stuff in there. Sure. Uh, they started off with Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak because that DLC is coming out this week. Um, Brandon, you played a little bit of Monster Hunter Rise. I think, D Dave, you did too, I, right? I actually did. I, I missed no, you're, Rise. You're, you're, you're mixing us up. Yeah, I was going to say Dave was Damn. the one that played a bunch of Rise. I can't keep... I, listen, I can't even keep what I'm playing straight, let alone what you guys play. <laughs> That's okay. all right. I don't work for this company anymore, so I'm going to say it. But um, I, 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 my previous job, I played... I put about 60 hours worth into Rise at work. Because oh. I was at work while we were in lockdown. Yeah. So I was yeah, literally yeah. the only person in the building. And our, our job was very much a, the, uh, like a, uh, a client focused job that required them being in the building. Yeah. I was, be w while we were in lockdown and our business couldn't be open, uh, I was just like, uh, uh, a custodian alone in the building. This is like <laughs> right. a 13,000 square foot building. And I was alone for three months. And this happened <laughs> like around when rise came out. So yeah, like about 60 hours of my playtime in that game was at work. Excellent. Uh, nice. so, time well spent. Fond, fond memories of that. And you're excited to play the DLC. Uh, eventually. Yeah. I think once it comes out and I, I see people playing it and stuff, I will, um, I'll, I'll probably want to jump into it. I am a little like, 
I, I feel like a bit of a dweeb because I've I've seen how a friend of the show Dustin Furman has torn up the Switch version on on the Twitter web. Uh-huh. Um, but that's where I would play it because I own the Switch and I really like playing it on the Switch. Um, right. So yeah, we'll see. But uh, yeah, I'm probably gonna cave to be honest. Yeah, I yeah. mean, makes sense. Sure. Uh, we've also got Super Bomberman R2. I have Super Super Bomberman R because I think I got it for really super cheap right when the Switch came out, but I never played it. Yeah. So that was definitely not a waste of money, <laughs> even though it was only like $5 or something. Right. Now, the Mega Man Battle Network Legacy Collection. This is all 10 of the Mega Man ba- Battle Network games. I played some of these. I don't remember which ones lightly, but... Uh, I'm kind of thinking maybe I want to check them out again, but I don't know that I want to play 10 of them. But uh, either either one of you Mega Man fans? No. Okay. No, I was no, big no. on on the X series, yes. but I, I... I So the Battle Network is like the, the strategy Mega Man yes. that nobody asked for. That's, that's such a weird mashup to me. Like, it really, it really is. is. Well, there, there were Mega Man platforming games. There were 2D, 3D. Um, there were Mega Man RPGs. Uh, which were actually very good. And then there were the Battle Network games. I want to say there's been other Mega Man games, but I can't remember for sure because I'm not I'm not a super fan. So hmm. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Just, just put the Mega Man name on it. There you go. It's the titles. To I mean, honestly, that is the case. And I mean, it really makes sense when you've got a huge franchise like that to just turn it into anything else because why not? Yeah, I mean... Like, uh, it, oh, we, we now we want to make a looter shooter. So... Let's just attach God of War to it. Like, you know, it'd I mean, be similar to that. Yeah, I mean, a ton of people. I mean, Final Fantasy does that to an extent, even. That's true. I mean, so. They really do. Yeah. Uh, we've got, this is exciting for me to some extent. Uh, we've got the Nier Automata end of, in the end of Yorha edition coming out on Switch uh, in October. It's the same game, but with other stuff. It's got some new costumes. They said it has some previously released modes. I haven't had the chance to read up on what that is yet. Um, but shittier graphics, probably shittier graphics runs worse. Dave, you've never played (laughs) near Automata. So I know how much you like playing uh, full (laughs) games on your switch. So this might be a good opportunity for you. Deal. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Finally, Pac-Man world repack. I know we're all really uh, excited about that. Uh, Blanc, which is coming from uh, gearbox. And I think, yeah, I think it's just gearbox. Um, It's uh, they announced that, today it's a uh, a buddy adventure game starring a fawn and a wolf club wolf cub it's got puzzles and online co-op and stuff like that so that's coming out um return to monkey island a new monkey island game in the year of our lord 2022 oh my god yeah it's going to be coming out first on the switch so that'll be good i have some love nostalgic love for the old monkey island games but i have no desire to return to monkey island yeah was this a 30 minute mini I didn't watch it. Okay. I didn't, I'm just reading the headlines. Gotcha. Yeah, I think it was. I would say because there's a, a, a decent little bit. I mean, nothing insane, but. Yeah, well, the one, I don't know if it's insane, but the one thing that they announced that's like new and from kind of from Nintendo is the Mario and Rabbids. Got a new, the oh, sequel. For fuck's sake. Uh, Sparks of Hope. Now, I didn't, I have Mario and Rabbids. I did not play it. Um, like Once again, me spending money on things that are cheap that I won't <laughs> play. But uh People who were skeptical on it ended up playing it and really enjoyed it. That's like the XCOM one. It's the XCOM one. Yeah. 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 I just, something about rabbits just triggers my minion sense. Like if that's possible, like it, oh. it is like whatever infuriates me about minions. I, I feel it when I see rabbits. Yeah. Okay. I see that. Uh, Psy Games is putting out Little Noah, Scion of Paradise, 2D strategy game coming out Tuesday. I think next week. Uh, Rail Grade. This is intriguing to me, but probably not enough to actually uh, play it. It's Roller Coaster Tycoon, but with trains. That actually sounds interesting. Yeah, I, I like, I love builders, sim builders and everything like that. So. I bet you could build some fucked up shit. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Can you get as wild as you can with Roller Coaster Tycoon? Like, can people die? Dude. Oh, I'm positive. People corkscrew die. train. That's what I want. <laughs> I, need vertic- I need verticality in this train. <laughs> <laughs> We've got RPG time. The legend of right. It is uh, It's an RPG. It's already out on Xbox and Windows, but it'll be coming out on Switch. Sonic Frontiers, of course. We've uh, seen a lot from this, and it's going to be coming out everywhere, but uh, it's coming out on Switch. They, they highlight that. Disney. That's, go ahead. That's the 3D one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, kind of open world ish. Yeah, open zone. I think is what how they're saying it. 
whatever that means. Yeah, and maybe we'll talk a little bit about open world games if we have some time later. Uh, Disney Dreamlight Valley. It's a sim. It's a sim, and it combines Disney and Pixar characters into one world. So it's basically uh, Kingdom Hearts, but worse or better, maybe. I'm not Dis- sure. Disney Infinity. We're trying again. Yeah, <laughs> except without the little plastic figures that you'll just break and your children will mangle. Uh, early access September sixth, and you'll be able to cook and fish in the game. Jesus so, Christ! Sold. This this was a mini sold. Yes, that's what I'm saying. This this shit is packed. They called it that because it wasn't first party, I think. Yeah, they just tied uh, some rubber bands on that bitch. They got it wrapped up real tight. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Live a Live, the remake uh, demo is out today. That's coming out in July. Uh, your progress will transfer. Um, Minecraft Legends is coming to Switch. I'm sure that was contractual. Dragon Quest Treasures is a new Dragon Quest spinoff or a Dragon Quest spinoff. Uh, and then there's a couple other little things that are interesting the portal companion collection now brandon you just bought portal for the yeah. xbox which you bought the originals that's you know, right right and i literally but i will say the only goal was so that i can pop it into my s and easily be able to hook up two controllers and play co-op with my girlfriend yeah and for your s what or, or i'm sorry my x okay ah uh. my x apologies apologies i don't I'm a little bit better than you guys in that way. Um, I have the X while Yins have the S. So um, my PC will challenge your X. That's fine. Damn it, Ben. You could, you could just <laughs> let me have it. Um, but no, I literally just bought this for this reason. And now, now there's an easy way to play it. Yes. Um, so I guess I'm, it is what it is. I'm glad to still have it. Um, but it'll probably run better on my X anyway. Speaking of, um, I don't think I have this in the notes, but speaking of PC and you know, joking about that, I thought I just saw recently that Xbox is bringing mouse and keyboard support to Xbox cloud gaming, which makes a little bit of sense because, you know, you can still do cloud gaming on your PC if you want. Right. But I'm wondering if there is, because the Steam Deck has the ability to have mouse and keyboard connected to it, I'm wondering if that's an angle there. Yeah, too. Because most people, I assume, I I might be totally wrong. Most people who are using cloud gaming are doing it on a device that's not their PC. Right. So why would you need that? But at the same time, like I'm not going to hook a mouse and keyboard up to my my phone or tablet. Right. But I would hook it up to a Steam Deck if I had one. And maybe that's an angle there. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's just a strategy to get more people who are actually using their PC or Steam Deck to to kind of penetrate that a little bit. Yeah. Well, there's a surprising lack of keyboard support for anything that's not PC. Yes. Um, the the PlayStation 4, Lauren, has tried to use it for a couple of different games. Yeah. It works, and you can integrate it with the UI, but most games just, like, even if it makes sense, just refuse to even right. do anything. The latency isn't great on the consoles, in my opinion, for mouse and keyboard, specifically with the Series X and S. Yeah. I've... I've never done it myself, so this is just based on a couple anecdotes, but people have told me, like, there is noticeable lag yeah. uh, input delay. So. Yeah, unfortunate. And then Persona 5 Royale is launching on the Nintendo Switch. Persona 4 Golden and Persona 3 Portable are also expected to come to the Switch. Wow. So, so everyone's uh, getting Persona now. Everyone. Literally, every, Atlas is showing love to every corner of gaming. Atlas shrugged. Hey, I don't know why. <laughs> yes, he did. Bioshock. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's it. That's the Nintendo Mini Direct. Now, I think there's rumor or desire. I don't know if it's actually desire. Or sometimes people just rumor these things because they're trying to manifest them. But for a, a regular Nintendo Direct later in the summer, uh, who knows? They show things when they feel like it and they always sell millions of them. So they'll do it when they feel like it. But uh, I was really amped up about playing Super Mario Strikers since we're on the Nintendo subject. And I just didn't get it. I didn't buy it. So I'll buy it eventually, I'm sure. But the moment kind of passed me and I didn't do the impulse buy that I, I was going to. And uh, now I can just wait. I don't have to play it immediately. A lot of love for Mario Strikers, as I can tell. Dude, Mario. No, no, no. I um, no, no, no love for Mario Strikers. Never, never played it, man. Mario Strikers on the Wii was my favorite game for the Wii. Is the... You might have just said this. Did you get the new one then? No. Oh, okay. No, that's the whole thing. I said, yeah, I, I might get it eventually, but well, we know it won't go down in price. So when, when, whenever you're ready. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the thing. It's, it's going to be there. It's Maybe when the there. World Cup comes around, <laughs> that's, that's yeah. when you'll really want to play it. Right. It's possible. Right, right. 
All right, moving on. Um, little little spicy, maybe, news here. Uh, from Forbes, Paul Tassi specifically, it says, reports claim that Cyberpunk 2077 bugs weren't caught because a QA company lied to CDPR. Back when Cyberpunk 2077 launched, among the few apologies that CDPR offered at the time was an infamous one in which it was claimed the QA simply didn't catch all the bugs people were experiencing with the game. It sounded laughable at the time, given the scale and scope of the bugs, but it turns out there could be some truth to that. And that's potentially, and it's potentially a wild story. A 72-page document was sent by a whistleblower to YouTuber Upper Echelon Games, who has reported on cyberpunk issues in the past. It focused on Quantic Labs, a QA company who did a lot of testing work on Cyberpunk 2077. Among the allegations made were that they over-exaggerated the size of the team working on it in order to keep the contract. They said the team was made up of senior staff. It was instead juniors with under six months experience. They had a daily quota of reported bugs, which led to CDPR getting thousands of relatively pointless bug reports from the testers, which took up a lot of time and caused game-breaking issues not to be found or prioritized, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, Dave, we've talked about how important QA is in the past. What do you think of these uh, allegations, or maybe they're not just allegations, but the allegations that CDPR farmed out the QA testing, which is not un- uncommon. Like, that's pretty common in QA. And uh, how does it make you feel about about cyberpunk and cdpr in general um it's just keeps piling on this we really need like legitimate dlc for this game so we can we can turn this into a um a positive story because it's just been negative after negative after negative and i really feel like a big chunk of new dlc would get people excited about this game but it's um there's a lot of shit surrounding this game and it just will not go away um, I, I don't think this is the source of the problems. Um, you know, we, we heard a lot from, from different sources within the company and even like people who were doing North American PR come out and say how things were misrepresented, yeah, misrepresented to them, uh, from CD projects. So, I mean, I feel like the QA stuff was probably known about a lot further in advance of of release and someone just panicked and said let's hope nobody notices so right it's messed up and as you said like it's not uncommon for this sort of thing to be outsourced especially on something the the size of of this kind of game but it's it still comes back to this whole you know i think management looked at how much money they stand to gain on this and and didn't look at what sort of risk they were taking by putting this game out into the wild when they knew it wasn't finished when they knew, and now we assume they knew it wasn't properly QA tested, and and the risk just blew up in their face, and we're still talking about it a year and a half later. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's obviously it's a key piece of the puzzle, but I don't think it's the it's the root cause of of where we are now with this game. So, yeah, it's messed up. It it really really is. Dave, are you confirming that the same company that did the the QA for Cyberpunk also did the QA for Aspire's KOTOR 2 remake. Just the Switch version. Just the just Switch, the Switch version. version. They yeah. had so, one guy who like they they hired him and then and then the project got canceled. So like go do the Switch version of, of <laughs> KOTOR 2. And now we know where we got with that. But uh, oh, yeah, man. that's I still probably can't what that game can even be finished on Switch. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah. yeah. Now I'm with Dave. I think that ultimately it is the responsibility of CDPR. Yeah. Um, but I think that whoever the QA company is is in for one hell of a lawsuit if this is in fact true um the tarnishment to the cdpr name not to say that this is the only reason ultimately it is cdpr at the end of the day sure yeah but they're ultimately responsible for it but i'm not saying you know what dave said this is a this is a piece of the puzzle um and uh it could have been a lot different and obviously there were many people that were in the wrong here so it is interesting to me because it's like well clearly this game was delayed several times and still we got what we got but i'm like what if they had actually done their job how like what would what would cdpr have done about it yeah and you have to think that some of those some of the bugs that we ended up with did get reported and just didn't get fixed the right yeah i just have to imagine that in the state that the game was even with this news there is not much difference in my eyes i mean sure yeah it's 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 a it's a crumb of information that's interesting but the uh the seat, the statement of the game itself stands. So. Right. Okay. Moving along. Video Games Chronicle says that from software's Miyazaki, 
says the next game is in the final stages of development. This is a quote, says in a new interview with Japanese site 4Gamer, Miyazaki was asked about a previous comment he had made in 2018 interview about having multiple games in development. Asked if one of those games was still in the way, Miyazaki confirmed, yes, it is. We're in the final stages of development. In the previous 2018 interview, Miyazaki has stated that since 2016, the studio had been working on three and a half games, the half game being the PS4 VR title, Deracine, which is just funny to me to call a VR game a half game because... They're still pretty complicated to manufacture, but whatever. Um, there are 3.5 lines that have been in uh, that have been in the works since that time. Miyazaki said, "Point or 0.5 is Derasine, 1.0 is Sekiro, and the remaining 2.0 are unannounced titles." Of course, one of them we know was Elden Ring. When asked to elaborate, he said, "It's not the right time to talk about them in detail, but I think they are both games that are typical of us. It will take a little more time, but I think they'll be able to tell you about them one by one as they take shape." So we haven't heard anything else about these other games but since you both came off just finished Elden Ring Brandon you're a big From fan in general sure Brandon, has, what has you Brandon th- sorry has Brandon played Elden Ring have we uh, confirmed that I don't I don't know Brandon should I, I check it know? out <laughs> <laughs> just what do you, give, it a, give it a couple hours you might what do you guys you know. think <laughs> quick, quick casual pay, playthrough easy <laughs> easy yeah Brandon that's our resident um addict of wow from software no i'm just kidding um what what do you want to see in another from game obviously they have a style that they're going to stick to sure. in some sense sure. i would imagine yeah but with that said yeah now a lot of people are talking about armored core yeah um i think that's the best guess right now um i will say i am a huge from software fan but i am a late life from software fan sure i've dabbled you're gonna die soon well I hope not. <laughs> late adopter, maybe, yeah. <laughs> yeah, late adopter. Um, but I never really played Armor Core before. Um, I've seen a lot of clips of it. It looks very different from some of the other things um, that I've played from them before. Um, I know they have the precision and the vision um, and the go-to to uh, make a good title. So I'm not really worried about it. But yeah, I think that something different that isn't exactly... Because... Ultimately, whether it's Sekiro, uh, you know, Dark Souls, Demon Souls or Elden Ring, they do play similar. That's just the reality of it. So sure. um, a completely different experience from them, I think, would be really awesome um, with all the detail and attention they put in their games. I think that I would be interested in anything they put out at this point, um, excluding the VR game. But excluding you. So you don't have any interest in it. At all? No, no, no. V- VR is a tough thing for me. Um yeah. And I think that with a with my love of from games being so tied into as good as the story is, it is convoluted. No one can ignore that. Sure. So, yeah. you know, it really is the gameplay that gets you by um, the grind, the 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 discovery. So um, if they could wrap that into any package um, and if it just so happens to be giant fighting mechs, I mean, that sounds pretty fucking dope to me. Yeah. So I don't know. Have, have you tried Armored Core, Dave? They're like no, a billion. No, no, I have not. I, mean, I have only. I, I'm like you. My 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 only working knowledge of from is just the Soulsborne games. Yeah. So I, I'm gonna have to check, but I f- feel in my bones for some reason that that I have a demo version of one of the games. But I think that is my entire extent. Either that, or it's a very similar mech fighting game. Which it's, it's interesting though, because like just listening to you say that, like giving my recent exposure with FromSoft with, um, you know, I played a little bit of dark souls three, about half of Bloodborne and all of Elden ring. Um, I would be more inclined to check out something that is for me anyways, a departure of that souls sort of genre. Sure. Um, so if it was another armored core, like I'd be more willing to check that out just because I have so much respect for, for, uh, for them now. So, um, but yeah, I mean, if, if we're predicting, I, I'd really want to know who's publishing this because I think any self-respecting publisher would want another Soulsborne game out of them because we've right. seen that they are just hitting their stride with these games. I don't think they've peaked. Um, and even to take that a step further, I think if you kind of like surveyed like 10,000 of the most hardcore Soulsborne fans and said, would you like like an Elden Ring 2 or a Bloodborne 2? I think the vast majority would want Bloodborne too. When I first read this article and I looked at the timing from these projects all started in 2016, 
um bloodborne wrapped or shipped in like 2015 2014 uh, i know that doesn't matter but i do really wonder if that's what is the next big thing which would be amazing for so many people but at yeah. the same time i don't know if they have the bandwidth to work on elden ring for all those years and have bloodborne sort of working in the background so yeah. i think you're right brandon it's probably going to be something a little bit more smaller scale hopefully not like a vr kind of thing but uh yeah I don't know. I mean, at some point, they have to acknowledge the desire for more Bloodborne. I don't know if there's like a bad contract. And I'm not saying they even have to remake the first game. Like everybody wants that, right? But I genuinely wonder. They've been so quiet and they typically are quiet. Like that's just how they operate. But um, I don't know. They have to see how many times a fucking year Bloodborne is trending on Twitter because a single person with a misspelled Twitter name is trolling people (laughs) so you know there has to be the knowledge that this is something that's desirable um but i don't know who knows man i I would they they own the ip but i i I don't know if like sony can separately own the publishing rights so maybe that's a sticking point ben you probably know more about this kind of stuff but i actually don't know if from owns the ip for bloodborne specifically i know i've heard conversations about that I feel like that was in an era where Sony demanded that if they didn't own the rights to the IP, that they wouldn't publish something. But I don't know the specifics with that game entirely. So I think I think I have heard that Sony owns the rights to it. And I think that's also why people have often talked about like, oh, Bluepoint should remake Bloodborne and stuff like that. But I don't actually know the the actual answer. Somebody can tell us in the discord. I'm sure somebody out there knows. Uh, Brandon, you were saying you wanted a completely different experience Um, a couple years ago. Uh, Devolver actually ported and re- released uh, Metal Wolf Chaos XD. Okay, which I is remember a, this. Yeah, it's a it's a mech game where you play the president who is uh, is gets in a mech and fights everyone <laughs> okay. because there was a coup led by the vice president. Okay, so that's something you could check out. Wow. Yeah, yeah dude, I'm a, I'm a I'm a big fan of Devolver. So, well, all they did was publish it, but yeah, still. Yeah, so. um, Brandon, also, how, how many? How many games do you think From has made? Like, if you just looked up their their uh, whatever the video game equivalent of discography is, probably way more than I would assume. I just um, want a number. I want to guess. It's at least two. It's at least two. Yeah, I'd say maybe close to ten. You think ten? Yeah. Oh, I'm over thirty, right? You you say over thirty? That's my guess. Okay, on Wikipedia, if you look up From Software and go to their uh, their published games since like 95, I think it is. I'll have to double check that here. Uh, I count 67 titles. Yeah, bro. Fake from fan right here. Yeah. <laughs> Literally all hundreds of my hours don't even count because yeah. of what I just said. So, And there's a title in here that I've heard about that I've never played. It's called Kingsfield. Oh, and yeah. uh, I've heard about that a lot. I've heard that name. There's a couple. There's a few of them. And you, you use, I mean, I think Kingsfield has like or, or i should say the souls games have some kingsfield dna in them yeah and there's a lot of references to the game um i've seen a lot of videos about it it's like an old school like kind of doom wolfenstein sort of oh. era first person thing yeah yeah sound off in the discord legitimately i i clearly did not have any idea how many games they put out i want to hear everyone's experience do you have any abstract experience with like smaller from games i'd be really interested to hear so honestly there's probably from games that people didn't know were from games when they played them so (laughs) who knows oh wow there's kingsfield games happening all the way up to the mid 2000 damn wow okay it's a lot anyway moving on i think we're done with uh with uh from software for a minute (laughs) Uh, just a looks like this is probably a, a leak. I don't think they have they actually been announced yet. The PS Plus no. games, no. Okay, so this is a leak. We don't know for sure. We'll probably know by the time this episode comes out, even for patrons. But uh, the three leak titles so far: Crash Bandicoot Four. It's about time. Um, that's the name of the game, not my commentary, but that also is my commentary. <laughs> uh, the Dark Pictures, Man of Medan, and Arcade Again. Now I have played all three. Well, no, that's not true. I have played two of these games. I played Arcade Again, which was not good. Yeah, I play a Crash Bandicoot 4, which is amazing. But I have to admit, I have a pretty strong bias towards Crash Bandicoot games, Uh, like an incredibly strong bias that it would have to be the absolute worst (laughs) trash for me not to at least enjoy it. And then uh, the Dark Pictures Man of Badon is supposed to be the weakest game in um, what's the studio's name? Supermassive. Supermassive's history. Yeah, it's not great. 
the the lineup isn't great, but I feel like for me, if I didn't already have it, Crash Bandicoot Four would just make the month. I I'm with you there. Yeah. I am actually very much looking forward. Have um, you not it, played it yet? No. Okay. Not a bit. Um, I played Crash back in the day. I bought the remakes, um, but I'd like to try something new because I feel like they've added a bunch of really cool things to it. Yeah. Um, I would check out the dark picture. If it was actually free, I would say try it, obviously. Yeah. There's such a low barrier of entry here, but um, bear with it. Sure. And, and if you like it enough, maybe it might be worth. There's two other ones after that one in the, yes. in the, in so the, far. In the trilogy. Yeah. So. Well, the Dark Pictures Anthology, I thought it was supposed to be like six or eight games. No shit. Yeah. Hmm. So I think Man of Madon, everybody agrees, is that studio's yeah. weakest title. Dave, anything on here you're excited about? Big time. Yeah, I'm with you guys on Crash Bandicoot. Um, sometimes the PS Plus Essential Games of the Month, because that's what they're they're being called now, which oh, yeah. caught well, me off guard a little bit. We're plebs when exactly. they say Exactly. And I, I'm, I'm an Essential user still. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, sometimes they just hit perfectly because not 10 days ago, I was browsing both the Xbox Game Store and the PlayStation Store, and I was like, I really want to play Crash Bandicoot. I was looking at the prices, like 20 bucks, 30 bucks, and I didn't bite. And a couple days later, this leak comes. So it's just hitting nice. at the perfect time for me. I will 100% be playing Crash Bandicoot 4. It's about time. Um, I'll probably put Man of Madon in my, in my download list and maybe check that out like a little bit later because yeah. uh, we've talked about that that series sort of before on the, on the show and it's one I haven't checked out, but something I might like. And the other game I have not heard of personally. So um, yeah, Google overall, it. it's, it's a good month for me. Good month Google Ar- Arcade again and, and let me know if it seems like a game you'd like, Dave. I have a feeling it, it is that. not. That's my job this week. That's what I'll do today. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty much the extent of the news, that, at least the, the news that we wanted to talk about. Um, there's other stuff happening, but nothing's that interesting to us. But uh, Dave, you had mentioned earlier, maybe talking a little bit about, I think kind of in the same vein as talking about Elden Ring and From, um, just about open worlds in general. And of course, Brandon can chime in, but Dave, what you kind of wanted to address something. Uh, no, nothing specifically. It's just that there was news that came out. Uh, I think it's right after we, we recorded last week from final fantasy 16, the upcoming Sony exclusive. Uh, I think it's exclusive to PlayStation uh, medieval theme, final fantasy. It's the first mainline entry in the series uh, for quite some time. Looks really, really good. And uh, I think in an interview, one of the producers or creators came out and said that Final Fantasy 16 would not be an open world game, uh, but rather was going to be more of a sort of segmented uh, where you have smaller, more like better fleshed out sort of areas. And uh, I don't know how you guys feel about that. I I don't know if you're um, sort of big into the Final Fantasy series, but I heard that news and it was refreshing to me because... um, we get a lot of open world games these days and they haven't really changed in like 10 years. They just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger with more little like dots and stuff on the map and, and to-do lists to go and do. So I read this. I'm already excited for Final Fantasy 16 and uh, I was happy to hear about this. So I'm just kind of curious what you guys think about sort of the state of open world games. And and Brandon, you recently played um, Horizon Forbidden West and I don't I think you completed it. You both yeah. did. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. What, what do you think about about this news in particular and, and just sort of the state of open world games in general? Well, real quick, I just want to say I, th- I find it um, not funny in like a oh, you're an idiot kind of way, but like funny that the uh, the biggest defender I know of Assassin's Creed Valhalla is, uh, wants, some, wants something that's not open world. <laughs> that's impressive to me. Yeah. Well, I can I can surprise you sometimes, I guess. That's true. You always surprise me, Davey. <laughs> okay, sorry. I, I, I cut you off there, Brandon. I, um, I think this is good news, too. I wish more studios would do this, because I think that more studios are incapable of giving quality open worlds. Yeah. Um, not that there needs to always be innovation, but there needs to be... There needs to be the sense of fullness, um, but not in a sense of emptiness. That's like the dumbest thing I've ever said. Um, but I don't know. I just think of games like Breath of the Wild. I think of games like Forbidden West and like Elden Ring. And I enjoy the open worlds. But so many games like these will have comparable map sizes or smaller or, you know, sometimes even bigger. And they'll be more empty. It's just it takes a certain kind of studio 
and a really keen direction um, of exploration and just walking around a corner and finding something wonderful. Like I'm thinking of all these moments I had in Elden Ring and Breath of the Wild that it truly felt like I was discovering something. And sometimes in these open world games, you just feel like you're in a, a lot of nothing. Sure. And I feel like there's a very fine line that these studios have to toe. And I would rather a studio scale down slightly and still give me some sense of exploration if it meant that the sense of exploration I had was quality. You know, I've always said, obviously, quality over quantity. um, But I don't think enough publishers are willing to get over themselves enough to realize that they should make their world smaller and more dense. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I guess that's my take. I I think it can be done, but it isn't often done well. Yeah, for me, open world, it doesn't really matter to me if a game is linear, open world, or somewhere in between. If it's a good game, I'm going to enjoy it. But like you're saying, Brandon, so many open world games are open world for the sake of being open world rather than being good. Exactly. And so for me, I don't really care. Uh, I do find it interesting. What's the last... I'm trying to think like most Final Fantasy games, not, certainly not all, but most Final Fantasy games are open world. So it was a little weird to me to hear them make this announcement other than maybe just to like quell some concerns like ours that it would be another open world game. I don't know. Right. But, I think uh, 15 was open yeah, fif- world. Well, 15 was. 15 was. But that sure. was probably the last. Maybe because that the was the only one. I that mean. was like the last maybe. newest one yeah. that they're like kind of making the differentiation like, hey, we're not doing this this time. Was well, so. 13? 13 was like eight games. So. <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just I just know when I go around a corner and I'm like, oh, I wonder if something is back here. A lot of the times in Breath of the Wild, there would be. Right. A lot of the times in in, in Elden Ring, there is. And occasionally you get that and it's disappointing, right? Like sure. you, you've climbed up something and you've scaled something and you're like, oh, I, I see something potentially right. shiny. But like when a game like Assassin's Creed, I like go to the back of this cave and underneath the waterfall and it's just a waterfall. And I'm like, I don't know. That's right. not that's not as good to me. It doesn't feel like I'm discovering anything. It just feels like everything is vast and as pretty as some of these games are. Um, that's not enough sometimes. It's funny because I'm a uh, I'm an explorer in games. If I'm playing a game, I'm going to go like, let's say a game set in a building. I want to check in every hallway, try to open every door, not because I'm like a collectible fiend or I need to like, I just like that. I yeah. like seeing everything there is. Sure. And there are some of these games that I've played where I do that. And after the first like couple hours, I'm like, well, I'm not going to check around anymore because I've been disappointed with everything I've checked so yeah. far. Well, yeah. you they've squashed the sense of discoverment. Like like whenever you're going to look for something new and time and time again, you realize that the game has set up these limitations and right. they haven't flushed it out enough. Then you lose that sense of, you know, you're walking over the next knoll and you see something strange in the distance right yeah yeah i i I, i'll never forget and this wasn't that long ago but um when dying light 2 did that pre-release thing where they said (laughs) it'll take like 500 hours or the same distance it would take to walk from like i don't know you remember what they said they gave that really and like i think we've matured as gamers uh somewhat because of the way people reacted to that and it kind of backfired for them a little bit turned out to be a pretty good game but um the way you guys are talking really kind of like I, i respect more the little things that like um you know they've done with with Elden Ring and Breath of the Wild and Ghost of Tsushima is another one that comes to yeah, mind where 100%. it's like rather than giving you a map or like a compass with like all the little icons and stuff on your screen like Elden Ring had like the wisp from the fires that you had to just like it'll just kind of point you in a in a direction or you just had to look and then like Ghost of Tsushima had like the wind gust thing where it's like this is going to point you in your direction but we're not going to hold your hand and like that's such a little thing that really enhances the rewarding experience that you get when you actually find something that's that's worthwhile and then the next thing is, is you say, Brandon, where it's like, if you just fill your game with so much stuff, like at some point, it's not going to be rewarding. It's not going to be fulfilling. And we're not going to be interested to go out and find it. And you're also robbing me of that experience of actually finding it because there's already an icon on my map for it. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. And I think kind of segmenting out those worlds is another way that you can 
you, you don't have to make one flat world, but rather you can make like six distinct semi-open areas um, so you don't have one massive map. But yeah, I, I think we're starting to see sort of developers get more creative and rather than just make it bigger. Um, yeah. They're, they're focusing on the quality and, and that sense of discovery that you both mentioned. So, yeah. right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Cool stuff. All right, Dave, you've probably got the most interesting just by default. Cause I know what Brandon and I have played. <laughs> you, what have you been playing this week? What have you been snacking on? Uh, I've been playing prey. Um, from my my favorite my, my new favorite developer Arcane. Um, this is the 2017 version, obviously. Um, I did play the old one back on Xbox 360 back in the day, so it's kind of interesting to to see you know one inspiration they took. Obviously, Prey 2017 is a complete reimagining of the series, and if there is like any like narrative parallels, I haven't seen them. I don't remember much about the old game. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, man, if if you haven't played Prey, um, I, I I strongly strongly recommend Prey. Um, we have like the 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 Metroidvania like genre of games. I think we need to create like a Warren Specter like uh, Day of Shock kind of oh, yeah. kind of section of games because like I I just played Dishonored. I loved the the modern versions of Deus Ex, uh, Human Revolution, and Mankind Divided, and I'm just really really digging this like this like narrative exploration um, sort of thing where, where the more you explore um, kind of the more you get out of the game. I will be honest going into prey. I was expecting and kind of hoping for more of like a Bioshock. Like I wanted a little bit more action with strong narrative. Uh-huh. Um, but what I got was like more resident evil um, just cause like you don't get a lot of ammo. You don't get a lot of resources and, um, you really have to sort of plan out your encounters because, you know, resources are so limited, but at the same time, the more time you spend like sort of searching for notes and emails and resources and stuff, the more stuff you're going to find. So it, it really rewards sort of that discovery. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really having a good time. It does have a slow start. Like the first one or two hours are not its best. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, if you're playing the game and you're sort of like, this is, this isn't great at the beginning, just, just wait until you get a pistol and things kind of like turn. Then you get these cool abilities and stuff. That's good to hear because I think I literally played one hour of prey. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's a slow start, but honestly it's, I'm, I'm really having a good time with it. I'm, I'm actually near the tail end. So if we, Oh geez. You know, this time next week, I'll, I'll probably be finished it. Um, funny thing is, is I think the weakest parts of the game are number one, the narrative is a little der- derivative and the enemy design is not memorable at all. Uh-huh. Um, but with those two things said, like I'm having such a good time with it and it's so engaging. Um, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm really 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 liking Prey. Um, it's pretty open ended, isn't it? It is. Yeah, I mean, just like a Deus Ex game, just a lot like Dishonored was. You know, you you approach a situation, and depending on how you've built your character, depending on how you've invested your neuro mods, like which are like your skill points, you can approach things stealth. You can like use alien abilities to uh, sort of mind control enemies and stuff like that, or you can just kind of go guns blazing. Uh, high risk, high reward. So yeah, there's a lot of different ways you can do things. Um, you can go back and replay with completely different experiences. So I don't know if the narrative changes very much, but um, yeah, it's it's. I'm really, really, really liking Prey. So nice. highly nice. recommended if you're interested. And it's on Game Pass. Right, exactly. And it's, I don't know, I think I've seen it for as little as like 15 bucks on other platforms as well so and then it's got like if if you really like it or if you don't like it but you did like um what's the latest arcane game that just came out Deathloop. 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 Yeah. if you did like death loop it's got like a separate moon crash dlc which is apparently a better version of death loop so yeah. i've heard yeah um so yeah it's got a lot of a lot to offer i'm having a great time with it nice bando you're up Oh, man. Um, I haven't been playing too, too much. I did um, start the co-op version of the quarry last week with Lauren. Um, so that was a lot of fun. I think those games are... There's something added when you could play with somebody else. Yeah. I really yeah. do think that. Um, so that's been good. Uh, I'll report mo- more back on that. Um, it has the exact same DNA <laughs> as all their other games. Right. They really have a formula. And I'm not, I'm not saying that in a negative way. Um, but I... 
I know what I'm in for. Yeah, they've um, sold millions of copies. It can't be right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So no, I'm definitely looking forward to playing that more. But um, yeah, literally, I've said Elden Ring about five thousand times. But that's really all I've been playing is that in Elden Ring. Well, and you were gone for a few days. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, I was thinking about asking Dustin to borrow GT now that now that I don't think he's playing it anymore. Oh so yeah, might might give that a go if he's willing to let me try it. Nice. I I still have this desire to play GT, but I also know that I won't. I, I, I wish I could just like go to an arcade and play it. Kind of right. Thing. Yeah. Like I don't actually want to like invest a lot of time into it. I just want to literally just play it. For right. And I think that's kind of how I feel too. Part of me wishes sometimes you could go full Sims on some of these games and just yeah. like do your money cheat to be able to customize your cars whichever way you want. And right. Just go for it. But you got to put in all this work. <laughs> yeah. So uh, for me, I haven't been playing a whole lot either. I was also gone for a couple of days. Um, but I played through the Turtles game again last night. Is that, uh, is that long? No, I think... So I played it... Uh, this is the first time I played it co-op or whatever. I was with, thinking about getting people. it. Um, I played it with my buddy Justin. And I think we maybe spent two hours, maybe an hour and a half going through the whole campaign. Okay. Wow. Um, of course, there's other modes and you can play with other characters and level them up and everything. So that certainly adds to the... I, I, I think it's worth every penny. But I just have to reiterate again how perfectly they nailed it because it's been a little while since I've played any of the old turtles games, probably two, three, four or five years, something like that. And you know, you, you remember things you're like, Oh yeah, it was the same, but you forget kind of exactly how they go. Right. But over the weekend, we actually played the original arcade cabinet. Yeah. Um, of turtles. And then I played Treader's revenge last night and I was like, wow, okay. I had forgotten that was in the originals and here now I'm remembering it was in the originals and it's in this and it feels perfect. And um, the other thing is I noticed the music a lot more while we were playing for some reason last night than I did when I played it myself, probably because my I was playing it on the a- Xbox and my kids were talking. So, gotcha. you know, they were like, oh, yeah, you know, you know whatever, Donatello. <laughs> yeah. So it's so good. And then the other thing is a game called Neon White. And this is a game that when I saw it announced, um, I was like, OK, it's an, it's an anime game. Uh, fine, whatever. And, but then I saw a... Um, uh, an offer like they sent a thing um asking if we wanted the code and i was like actually they just sent a code. i think they just sent a code i can't remember for sure but I, they had a, a gif attached to it that was like the action sequences and which were probably there in the original marketing but i was just like the cutscene anime just turned me off i, I sure. not that it's bad i just I'm, that's not my thing and uh i was like oh this looks interesting so it's basically it's a it's a first person game where the goal is to get through every level as fast as possible and collect stuff, of course, sometimes. And, you know, but you have to defeat all these demons. You're basically, you're somebody who has died and you're trying to keep demons out of heaven hmm. um, or bad figures. And the whole game is based on cards. And you get a card and it like, the card is, a, is essentially a gun. And that gun lets you, sometimes there's a shotgun, sometimes there's a pistol. But every card also has a discard ability. So when you discard that card, it might make you... Um, blast forward really far or shoot up higher than normal or stomp the ground really hard or whatever. So it's really cool because you're having to remember what, like you want to keep shooting and then you want to use your discard ability when you have the need for it. But if you shoot too long and you lose the ammo, you lose the card. Mm-hmm. So then you don't have that ability and you got to restart it. So risk reward. Yeah, it's risk reward. Definitely. Um, there's a lot of it based on like you're purely just trying to get through the level fast uh, as a matter of fact, to progress, you have to get gold medals on a certain amount of the levels. And in order to get that gold medal, you have to beat a certain time. So there's a lot of like replayability there with that. You can try to keep beating records. You can find um, not exploits isn't the word I'm looking for. You can find uh, new ways around uh, the map and still be able to kill enemies. And you can't finish the level until you've killed all the enemies. That oh, are okay. In there, so there's, it's really cool. It's a game that I would have never, ever given a second look to had they not sent that email. And I saw it and I was like, all right, I'm going to give it a shot because I don't, I want to expand my horizons. I don't play these kinds yeah. of games. And now I'm just like, okay, people should play this game if yeah. they like fast paced first person action shooters, I guess you could say with abilities. And if you like a little bit of anime, that it'd be even better, but that's not really a draw for me. Um, the, the cutscenes are a little 
it's like they just have the characters there and they're talking. And then sometimes the way that like they animate it is they'll just like move the little character <laughs> around and jiggle it. Yeah. Or they'll just like flip back and forth and then put a thought bubble over their head or something. So like it's not those parts of it aren't high production. But in reality, that's not the point of the game. Right. The point of the game is the fast paced or the fast paced um, action shooting mechanics. So it's a uh, it's a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed it. I, I spent. I don't know, a few hours one day and a few hours the next day. And I think I'm almost done with it. I haven't finished it yet, but uh, really enjoying it. I do have it on Switch and it is great, but I can only imagine this game with a mouse and keyboard would be phenomenal uh, because it's very, you need to have some precision with it. So if you've got, uh, if you've, if you've got uh, 20 ish extra bucks, go ahead and pick it up. Nice. Yeah, it's a good game. It's fun. I think that's it, boys. I think that's all we got. Yeah. Um, if you don't already, check out our Patreon. We'd appreciate it. Actually, I know you don't already. A lot of you, because we have a lot more, a lot more listeners than we do patrons. So dollar a month for ad-free early access over at patreon.com slash handsome phantom. We'd appreciate your support. Of course, if you don't want to support us, that's totally fine. We get it. Um, I mean, Dave wears muscle shirts, so you can't really, you know, support us too heavily because you might be helping that along full disclosure but, no muscles yeah well okay that's that's fair sun's out guns out and then uh hey anybody can come over and join uh the patreon or i'm sorry the you can join the patreon too but the discord over at handsomephantom.com slash discord uh you'll get ushered right into uh, the presence of your three favorite video game podcast hosts of the hp podcast uh we'll be there waiting with open arms to welcome you and uh, we like hanging out and having fun. That's about it. That's all, about all I got. That's it. All right. Cool. 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 All right. Thanks, guys. We'll catch you next week. The HP Podcast is supported by our patrons over at patreon.com slash handsome phantom. Jason Canham, Toby Ryland, Chaz Peterson, Edward Walton, Josh Cummings, Jared, Boots, Fusebro, Passive Pixels, Edwin Castillo, Maurice Bays, and H-Trons.